Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. That would make me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Chris, hello. Hey, Dave. How's it going? How's it going? Pretty good. Happy Monday. Yeah, thanks, man. We are joined this week by... My name is Jonathan Carlisle, and I'm from the Princess Bride Minute. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Welcome back, John. Oh, it's uh, it's great to be here. It's uh, it's funny that last time I was on your show was about a year ago, and it's been a whirlwind of a year since then. Yeah, you seem to be all over the place, very busy. Yes, we uh, we did all of uh, the Princess Bride in that whole time, and we went to Chicago and met a bunch of other podcasters, which you guys didn't uh, didn't get to show up. But no, sadly, we sadly were not able to attend. Although you guys did try to get me to get you some of those badges, and I almost did, but then I kind of freaked out when the guy looked at me weird. And <laughs> thank you for trying to steal stuff for us. Yes, <laughs> awesome. I probably, you know, it's that confidence thing. I should have just walked up and just grabbed him, like, "Oh yeah, my buddy's gonna," get, you know. And then, uh, but the guy looked at me weird, and I freaked out. So, <laughs> no worries. So we're moving on to minute number sixty-two here. And this minute starts with Savick saying, the Genesis experiment is a failure. And this minute ends with Kirk on the intercom saying, this is Enterprise, Admiral Kirk calling. You had a little bit of a Savick's uh, cadence there, Dave. The Genesis experiment is a failure. (laughs) I, I, I picture it with a capital G and a capital E. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So, I uh, so this is we got some 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 more Krug goodness in this minute. Um, is it? <laughs> is it Krug goodness? No. <laughs> I I say yes just for the fact that uh, like at ten seconds he Christopher Lloyd almost looks right at the camera, and the first time I was watching this minute, I I was like, whoa, Christopher! Like he just looked at me. It was. It was quite the stare. So I He's looking right. I thought it was soul. I thought it was a pretty good minute because yeah, it it, it just got me. You had a personal connection with Krug there for a moment. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of intrusive, but you know, still pretty cool at the same time. So I know he did this before, um, Back to the Future, but every time I see this, all I see is Doc Brown. Really. <laughs> And I, it, it hasn't really hit me until these these minutes where we're sort of seeing him here and the way he talks. And so when he's talking in Klingon, I, I totally buy him as Krug. But when he talks in English, I, I just I just don't buy him. I, I, I expect Doc Brown is going to, you know, 1.21 gigawatts. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I was picking up on any Doc Brown stuff. Maybe it's just in my head. Is it the lighting, Dave? Can we say it's the lighting again? <laughs> that even though he's supposed to be outside, it looks like he's definitely inside. Yeah. Yeah, it looks bad. Yeah, there's a uh, there's definitely like a backdrop sky behind him. 
John, I have to go back to your comment because my first note for this minute was was Krug's side eye, which I think <laughs> is the same moment you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I totally thought he was he looked like the Grinch. Um, and I, I, I think remind me the, the Grinch cartoon was that Chuck Jones who uh, was that the animator? I think so. And he did some of the um, he did some of the Wiley e. Coyote. Um, cartoons as well, and there's a look that they give when they when they're feeling sneaky, and they they kind of oh, squint yeah. their eyes and they do the little side eye. That's what I thought Krug was doing. Here <laughs> he's totally channeling the Grinch. When when was uh Perhaps. when was I guess when was this movie released compared to I, that that probably came out before this. Oh, the Grinch is still Christmas was out in the sixties. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think this was well before that. I, I forget um, when I grew up in the eighties, everything just came out in the eighties, even if I know it came out earlier. <laughs> but yeah, Chris, you're right. This is totally a, that is totally a Chuck Jones, you know, Tom and Jerry, you know, you see Tom with that sort of like side eye or Jerry. I, I, I totally buy that. Thanks, man. I feel justified now. <laughs> but yeah. But I've, I've, since I spotted it, I mean, I've watched this minute several, several times now kind of getting ready. And uh, once I saw that moment, uh, every time I watch it, I laugh now because I'm like, oh, there it is again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to post some. Uh, I'll find some screenshots of like the Grinch doing it, uh, Wiley Coyote doing it, and Krug doing it. We'll, we'll kind of compare and contrast. I'll put that up on the Facebook page. I look forward to that. <laughs> uh, so during the during that scene when he's doing his own little uh, personal thing and then the side eye, um, is there? I don't have the sound on right now, but is the is water running? It seemed like I was kind of paying attention to the audio. And, and I don't really, I don't know that we see any water ever, at least not in these minutes, but is it, they just throw it in there just to hopefully fake us out a little bit. There's some life happening. Jeez, I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if I've ever noticed water. I always think of wind. It's always sounds like dry wind. That's what, that's what yeah. Genesis always makes me think of. Um, so I don't know. Like, I guess I was paying too much attention to the sound because then as he's walking forward, it sounds like his footsteps are too loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, seen that movie, Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid. Oh my God, yes. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember all of that movie. I just remember there's definitely scenes where like, he sits in a chair and it's squeaking and you can't hear anything else because the squeaking's so loud and <laughs> clomping the shoe, like, <laughs> slams the telephone down. And he just, it's, it's just funny. It's intentionally bad. Although I don't think this was intentionally bad. Yeah, I think it's just this whole sound stage is just, it's not lit right. It's not mic'd right. <laughs> Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Chris. It's a sound stage, and it looks like a sound mm-hmm. stage, and it feels like a sound stage. Which I've yeah, I can get it. I've heard your previous guest comments about you know like well that's that's kind of the charm of it you know because it reminds you of the the original series. But I don't know. I I think to to me, especially after the movies that we've had up to this point, I kind of don't necessarily like that return. I I don't either because I feel like this is. Um, this movie makes me think a lot of um, The Final Frontier and how bad some of the sets, particularly towards the end of the movie, are when they're you know on the planet with God and how those big things are supposed to come out of the Earth. And then after they come out, they totally look like they never came out of the Earth and they're just items on a set. I always compare this movie to that, and I feel like they just don't fit with the special effects on any of the other movies. Yep. 
Yeah, because the last movie, we, I mean, they were, you know, no matter what they did, you know, it looked like they were in a desert with sand blowing all over the place. And, you know, it just it, right. it looked like something. And, and then we go to this and it looks like inside something. Right. It's interesting, to, though, too, because that uh, all all that all those scenes on SETI Alpha were were also on a soundstage, but they were just they 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 put it together correctly. Right. They blew. They were blowing real sand. It was just I, I, right. I'm actually wondering, you know, and as we're talking about it. John, you already said it. Like you can see the, you know, the the, the blue sky backdrop, right? Um, but when you when the scene shifts and we're looking kind of down on Savick and David, you know, sitting on the ground, um, it it's. I mean, it's still you can still kind of tell it's a set, but it's much less obvious, you know. But it's like when you when you got these shots where you're looking up upwards and you can see the you know what should be the horizon and the sky and everything. That's where it starts to definitely fall apart. What what is that? What is that smoke in the background? That fog? Is it, is it uh, volcanic activity? It's just just from the earth, yeah. So <sighs> lots of things happen when Genesis go through, goes through its surges. And as we found out in one of the previous minutes where there was definitely some sort of editing mistake, you can see like the tree come out of the earth and like all this steam just pour out. So I'm assuming that's residual steam from that tree falling down. We, so, we blame it all. We blame it all on Genesis surging. Now that's just not Genesis surge. Yes. Is there supposed to be some link between, uh, Spock's Ponfar and the Genesis? Like is Genesis going through Ponfar too? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> we had not speculated that, that way. <laughs> that's a whole new thing to wrap your head around. Maybe, maybe uh, yeah, some of Spock's uh, DNA like got into the planet, and now it has these little surges. How many other people's DNA do we have that people have suggested now? We've got Khan DNA in the planet. We've got Spock DNA in the planet. Well, there's all the fourteen other people from oh, Khan's Hinchman, crew, right? Joaquin and the rest of the, you know, rest of the goons there. They they're all part of the DNA right, right. fabric. Oh, I I, I wish there was a. But there's always there's a big belt buckle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny if like, yeah, Krug and the Klingons were just walking around and he bent over and picked it up. It was... <laughs> <laughs> this will fit. Um, all right. So Krug says, uh, you will tell me the secret of the Genesis torpedo. Very specific request, not just yeah. Genesis. He's now talking about the actual torpedo. Um, and then Savick says, I have no knowledge. And so I had some questions here. Uh, first one is, is she lying? Do you guys think she's lying? No, I don't think she, I mean, she has knowledge, I think, of Genesis, but I don't know if she necessarily has any of the working knowledge of the torpedo or how, yeah, I'm going to say she doesn't have okay. any working so knowledge. So she's just, she's being just straight up Vulcan honest. Because my second question was, do, can, can Vulcans lie? Or do, do they only exaggerate? They exaggerated. Well, this Savak wasn't in the last movie, so Wait. I believe that she doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I <laughs> see. So, yeah. So I was just wondering, I was wondering like, okay, I, I agree. I agree, Dave, that she, yeah, she 
honestly has no knowledge of the torpedo. And so she's just being honest. Yeah, I have no knowledge. Um, yeah. And I was just wondering, like, well, if she did, would she have, would she have said would the she same have thing? Or would you say, yeah, I know a few things. Well, I think she's, well, I think, I think she is exaggerating a little here because he asks a pointed question. Do you know, tell me the secret of the Genesis torpedo, which she responds, I have no knowledge. I think overall he wants, he wants knowledge about Genesis and how this all works, which I think she does have some knowledge Mm -hmm. of. So maybe she's exaggerating a little because she's answering his specific question. She's just, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Nope, nothing in the torpedo. Ask me another question. Maybe I'll. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I get it. Yeah. Maybe the answer is different. Now, I'm glad you guys were talking about Savick because I didn't really focus on Savick. I was focusing on the fact that David is kind of just letting her take it, which I guess is is strategic because he knows more than she does. So as long as you know he kind of stays out of the conversation, I guess there's less threat to him uh, accidentally saying something. So at this point, does he, on that, on piggybacking on that, does he know who he is? Does Krug know that that's David, that he is Doctor? I'm Marcus? guessing not because he's no. he seems completely fine just to talk to Savick about it. Right, and do you think that's is that a universal prejudice? Everyone thinks the Vulcans are smarter than humans. Oh, I always thought they were, <laughs> or maybe just everyone thinks smart, someone's smarter than David. Well, yeah, they've already, right? They, and they've also already had an encounter with him, right? Where they, you know, uh, he either tried to fight him and lost, or they, he didn't even get a chance to fight with him, and, he, you know, he, and he still lost. So they've already got some experience with this guy. They're like, whatever, right? What does he call him? A weakling human? Um, so maybe they just, he's, he's completely written him off. And yeah, he's going to talk to the smart Vulcan. So yeah, so she has no knowledge. David is, they've written him off. Um, what do we? Think, what do you guys think about this next line of Krug's? Then I hope pain is something you enjoy. He's trying to sound menacing, but I just and so I get the feeling like David's laughing. Oh, that's what I was. I had a question too. Like, what's his reaction right there? So, so, so right before that, when Krug comes walking over and he says, "You know," and Savick says, "I have no knowledge," it almost looks like David's laughing. Like he's, I can't believe I'm getting off scot free. They don't know. They're idiots. I, I, I'm totally, they're, they're going after Savick. And then, you know, he says, then I hope you, I hope pain is something you enjoy. And then you sort of see David sort of spring up and like, oh, yeah, that, <laughs> no. that face, that face of his looks, he looks like almost sick to his stomach. Like he's, he knows what's coming. Yeah. Um, I've Would, decided. Uh, oh, go ahead, John. I'm guessing, just because she's Vulcan, I'm guessing that Savick could probably withstand a little bit more pain than David could. Is that how is that how that works? I would think. I would think so. I mean, he already looks like he's been beaten up. He's got a bruise on his face, and I feel like if you if Krug had gone to him and asked him, I feel like he would have spilled all of Starfleet Starfleet <laughs> secrets. Yep, Kirk's my dad. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, I'll give you a detailed layout of the Enterprise. Um, with Krug, uh, going back a second, when, you know, Krug saying, you will tell me the secret of the Genesis tor- torpedo. If, if David or Savick had started talking, well, you know, would Krug have been like, whoa, 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 hold on. Let me get a piece of paper. <laughs> like, what, what I wasn't the, what, recording. I wasn't recording. <laughs> yeah. What are the, what are the bad guys? The bad guys always do that, right? You will tell me. 
if, if they started talking, then what are they supposed to do? Like, all right, just tell me, and then we'll go back to the ship. You have to tell me again. Right. It'd be funny. Well, he's just so funny if David piped up, you know, just out of fear, it was just like proto better. And then, uh, and then Krug would like (laughs) give him that, like scientists don't think that's very ethical. Yeah. (laughs) Even Klingon scientists. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I've decided that I'm going to add, I hope pain is something you enjoy into my day to day. I need to quote that more. That's one of the probably little, little used Star Trek quotes. Is that what you're going to do when your your employees exactly. don't get their work done? I hope. <laughs> then I hope pain is something you enjoy. Uh, all right, what else we got, Dave? We got some Klingon ease. We do. We have a couple of words in uh, Klingon in our in our minute here. Um, so yeah, so he says, "Then I hope pain is something you enjoy." To which the sergeant runs up to him and says, "Jahui." which means my lord. And Krug responds with, I ordered no interruptions. Now, I, uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't have the, the Klingon or the Klingon translation when I was watching this. So uh, I was just kind of writing down what I heard, which is, I know, like mm. some of it's kind of close, but none of it's really right. So that sounded like Joe Quick. <laughs> no. Is that what he says? No, but it just Joe sounds Quick. like, like he like he steps up from behind. He's like Joe, quick, and then hands him the, the, the thing. Oh. <laughs> like think fast. <laughs> yeah. And there's a there's there's another one later on this minute that I think is kind of funny. It kind of fits in, but I was just basically you know trying to hear their Klingon, but I didn't know what they were saying, so I was just writing down what it sounded like. So you're just try- I like that. So you're just attempting to translate for us. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. We should have done. We should have done the whole season like this that. We should just say, "Hey, John, here's all the Klingon <laughs> from from this movie. Can you just translate it for us?" Let's let's do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> I still find it weird that like he's talking to them in English. He then, you know, the Klingon, uh, the Sergeant Klingon comes up to him and he says his line, and then Krug continues to speak in English. To which Torg responds in English, and then later. Crew gets back onto the bird of prey and he speaks in Klingon. I don't understand the constant switching from English to Klingon. Yeah, I, I don't have a good explanation for it either. I, I it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I I, I kind of like it, and I I don't know, you know, at what point it would it would bother me. Maybe if it was like they were doing every other word, you know, English Klingon, English Klingon, that would be annoying. But then I don't I, I don't mind it. <laughs> I do, does it bother you? I don't know if it bothers me. I just feel like it's inconsistent. I, I, I guess growing up watching this stuff, I just, uh, I don't even really think about it. I just assume that all the stuff I don't understand is just stuff that's not important and stuff that they assume will come across <laughs> in other ways. And then the stuff that they're saying in English is stuff that I'm supposed to know. <laughs> oh, you, you've made it. You just made a, yeah, a bit of a statement on the minute by minute podcast format. <laughs> It's it's not important. Move on. (laughs) Um, Oh no, it's fun. I mean, but everything for all those people that speak Klingon, they're like, hopefully they, hopefully there's like jokes in there for them, you know, just for those those fans that know Klingon. That's awesome. So uh, um, this minute, 
I think of my good friend Dave Stoker. Um, because when we get to Why? when we get to Torg, uh, and he says his line, uh, oh, yeah. "But sir, Federation starship approaching." He says it like super high speed, and it makes me think of. So Dave, this is just something Dave always points out. It makes me think of Harrison Ford in uh, the original Star Wars uh, when they're approaching the Death Star, and he and uh, he deli- uh, you know Kenobi says, uh, "You know that's that's no moon, that's a space station." and and Harrison Ford just says it's too big to be a space station, but he's like he whips his head around. He's not even looking out the window, and it's <laughs> and that's exactly what I think of here. Torg is like, uh, but sir, Federation starts approaching. It's it's way too fast. Is it just well? Me? That's okay. It'll get balanced out in the next minute. Oh, <laughs> not not by him. I think it's a different guy. But there's there's Klingon or yeah Klingons that speak too fast and Klingons that speak too slow. <laughs> Dave, did you pick up on that at all? Did, did, that, did that remind you of that scene? It's funny you say that because uh, that was one. That was actually one of my notes. Yeah, right? he says it's, it way and, too uh, fast. I don't know. I, I kind of picture you know the, you, the way he's sitting in the chair. You know, I, I almost picture like he's leaning way, way back in his chair, like <laughs> like he's scared of what he's seeing. I don't know. I chuckle. So Cruz says, "Bring me up." No hesitation. He just gets the gets the, gets the message. Bring me up. I'm, I'm coming up. Doesn't even think about it. Yep. Come on up. Is that, is, that, is that what they say? Is that the Klingon version of beam me up? They just say, bring me up. Or is that the English uh, translation of what the Klingons are saying at that moment? Oh, I don't know. He says it's in English, right? Bring me up. Um, yeah, just yeah bring I just didn't know if that, was, if that was their phrase. Right. Do they or... use beam? Oh, beam or energize. Yeah, that sounds so cool. It sounds, at least sounds like it's like part of the technology. Where bring me up is just very generic, I guess. Bring me up, you know, makes me think they're gonna lower a basket on a rope. <laughs> Actually, I started looking at my notes here. I was like, oh yeah, because uh, so if that's their version of, of beam me up, do they have? We see like the whole Klingon crew, but do, do they have like a one for one to our Enterprise crew and you know the different uh, personalities and things that they say? <laughs> like, like he's saying, bring me up. I don't know if there's. Instead of beating me up, Scotty, Scotty bring me up, Torg. Yeah, there's some engineer that's giving it all she's. Oh no, it would have to be something different. <laughs> I'm get, I'm giving it all she has. Or, you know, I don't. <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Klingon yeah. version of the Enterprise crew. Oh, the. Uh, yeah, the the one for one would be fun with all the different accents because they won't be doing those same accents, but they'd have to do something because yeah, they right. all have Klingon accents, I assume. Right, like what's the Klingon version of a Scottish accent? Yeah, or Russian. Or Russian. He already has enough has a hard enough time trying to say words. <laughs> um, uh, John, this is the first minute you're on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this this season with us, which is which is great, um, and. Uh, I'm assuming you feel lucky we get you get an Enterprise bridge scene. Um, I have not been a fan of, of most of the bridge scenes so far, and and this is another one of they're so boring. <laughs> I do like the displays in the background. I, I I can't see anything on them. I mean, I don't. I can't tell what they are or or even really guess what they are. But they, I do like the lights. I like the color of the lights. Um. So I guess that's cool, but I, 
there's something I think it's the hair, but then the clothes go along with it that uh Captain Kirk is really just reminding me of my eighties grandma. Like like the, the things that she wore and the way she had her perm in the eighties and <laughs> he just needs his he needs his glasses like, too, right? To complete the look. Yeah. I just uh I didn't want to put it in my notes, but after watching these three minutes, I was like, he, he just reminds me of my grandma. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. I'll take it. <laughs> that weird. Now, does she wear the kind of glasses that have the chain on them? Cause that would be yeah, that, that weird fold over thing on his, on his front. I don't know. Yeah. I will agree with you that that's probably the best, uh, the, the, the background in the station that we see, um, is probably the best part of that, that moment. So they cut back to the planet and it looks like we're, for whatever reason, uh, the Klingon sergeant's got his communicator uh, open so he, so we can hear or they can hear Kirk calling for Grissom. Now, it's a weird thing, but um, yeah, I really like it because David's look uh, at, at Savick when, he, when he's like, Oh yeah, it's my dad. Yeah, they're in. That's a. They're in trouble now. Yeah, it's a great. Look. I will say it's probably one of my favorite David moments. It kind of. Uh, I, I like that too because not only is he like, yeah, that's my dad, but I, this look that he gives uh, kind of reminded me of Captain Kirk too. You know, the sly little smile. Yeah, when he's he's got a he's got a plan like in the works so nobody else knows it kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. I just, I just like Savick's surprised looked as well, which makes me feel like she's exhibiting emotions because she sort of hears it and then her eyes just bug out and she her mouth draws drops open is like oh <laughs> yeah it's a good it's a good moment and then Krug busts in, drops his Lord of the Rings cape on his chair and he says my he, I can't even pronounce it I can't even do the Klingon Chris I'm so come, flustered come on. Could do it. You could do it. Just take a breath. He says, "My yig he yui," something like that. <laughs> I'll tell you like what that. it sounds like in English. Yep, He's, that's what I heard. Is that Mike your coat? <laughs> I might might have been a little biased because he's like <laughs> handing a coat over, but that's what it sounded like to me. Mike your coat, and that means battle alert. So that's a, that's that that's their is that their version of red alert? I assume. Again, they have to be a little bit different. Yep. So bring me up, battle alert. We're getting more of their uh, their lingo, their their bridge lingo down. The have you guys talked about like the, the, the uh, some of the design on the Klingon ship? Uh, I guess specifically, I'm kind of leading the question. But um, when he walks in the door, I just noticed the the shape of the door and how it opens and stuff. It it looked very Klingon. You kind of remind with the curved lines and stuff remind me of the the Klingon symbol. Mm. Oh sure, and, yeah. You know some of their yep. weapons. No, I hadn't really. I actually hadn't kind of put those two together. But but you're right. I I was. I, I've got a lot of Lord of the Rings on the brain for some reason in this film, and uh, uh, to me that looks very. A lot of this stuff looks very elvish. Reminds me of of the elves. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up because you're right. It does. It does look like yeah, their weapons have those curves. The Klingon logo had where yeah yeah. Mm. That makes more sense <laughs> than the elves. Do the elves have doorways that open and shut, or just the <laughs> just the archways? I think just the archways. <laughs> I do like the way the door open and closes. <clears throat> just throwing that out there. 
that's about the only thing I think I like on the Klingon bridge. Is is the door different on the Voyage Home Klingon bridge? Uh, it is. Everything's different. So uh, I have one. I have one l- last note on this minute, and it was about Spock. Um, it's you see him a couple of times in the minute. Uh, one, he's kind of blurry in the background near the end, but the very beginning of the minute, um, when Savick says, "You know, the Genesis experiment is a failure," Spock's looking over at her. I was struck by Spock. Kind of looks like Savick to me in that shot. <laughs> they look like they could be related. Is it just me? I think it's the eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. I meant they look. Well, certainly not the hair. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe if he had a maybe if he had a perm. Yeah. All right, forget it. I'm all done then. That was my last note. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was kind of happy not to get too much Spock because I don't care for this Spock. So Spock three is not your favorite Spock. Well, okay. So let's let's open it up then, uh, John. What's your uh, who's your favorite Spock? Um, I, I guess I kind of like the probably the first one that they come across. Okay, Spock. You know, it's just a little, little inquisitive kid. I don't know. Like this, is he supposed to be somewhat angsty or angry because he's a teen? Like, were they kind of following the ages? Like, you know, kids are kind of energetic and inquisitive and teenagers hate everything. <laughs> or, you think we got sulky Spock right now? Yeah. I, I took this Spock oh. as more of like content Spock. Because when we saw him before, he was very, very angry. And then they go through Pon Far, and now he's content Spock. Well, he's kind of always empty Spock, isn't he? Isn't that kind of the point? Yeah, he is. I guess I guess maybe the emptiness kind of freaks me out. I think they could do what they... So maybe... He, he, I guess he's doing a good job. Yeah. He looks... The, <laughs> the, but going, you know, that's a, that's a good point, John. Like, you know, he is supposed to be empty. And to me, in these minutes, he seems a little more engaged. Um, you know, he's not talking or anything, but he's observing and, mm. and you know, seems to have a sense of something's wrong versus if he was truly, like, empty, don't you think he'd be more like just sitting there and staring off into the distance? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I right. probably thought too much about, you know, so I guess in I'm I'm thinking that the whole Katra thing that's just basically like Spock's essence, his soul or something. So this Spock is just kind of the biological portion of him, and how you know how how would that react to a a biological functioning body that doesn't have any personality, you know, whatever? Like how I guess it'd be possible to still learn things. And then, you know, without having that central person, mm-hmm. it'd be kind of, be kind of weird. I guess it'd be kind of off-putting. Do you think, uh, you opened a can of worms, John, do you think, so we <laughs> are, what are, so not to, not, not to get too deep, but you know, we are all the sum of our experiences, right? Um, and Spock's mm-hmm. been, a, you know, let's call him new Spock. New Spock's been alive for a while. And he's learning stuff, right? He's learning as he goes. Is he gathering experience, or is it, or is it because he doesn't have mm-hmm. a katra, is he just not retaining any of this experience? Yeah, I feel like this this thing, this body, this you know, <laughs> biological function may 
maybe experiencing things and maybe kind of learning some stuff, but it's all in the moment. I don't know. It just it, like in my mind, I, I want to think that when the Katra comes back, when Spock comes back, like that's that's Spock in this shell or mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, it may, so everything here that he's learning is just going to be wiped yeah, out. Yeah, maybe a little, maybe a little mix, but maybe maybe this Spock that we're seeing here, maybe he just can't make sense of. He can't make. He can't connect the dots. You know, he can't. He can experience things. And maybe learn some words or something like that. Learn how to touch fingers. But maybe he just can't put it all together until he's whole again. So you think he, he might just be living in the present? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that makes me feel better thinking of it that way. Because like with Dave, like you, you just, you just asked like, well, mm. you know, when, when, uh, when the Katra is reintegrated, you know, the, the does does this version of Spock just go away, or does the reintegrated Spock have the memories of what happened? Right. All the stuff that's happening right now in Genesis. Well, I don't. I don't think this Spock goes away. I think this is, and I know we've said most of as we've been going along that this is an empty vessel, and I feel like to a certain degree he is an empty vessel, but I do feel that there is residual Spock there. You know, maybe a ghost here, of a Spock here right now. Um, and so maybe, so we know that the, the, the soul and, or the Katra is in McCoy, but I feel like there has to be something left in the body. Cause I feel like then we go back to what Jonathan said, where he's just this lifeless, empty vessel thing. And he's just, there's nothing like he's learning. He's. I feel like when he first meets Savick and touches her nose and I feel like there, there is, you know, uh, there is certain memories that are maybe burned in him that he remembers who she is. Like even at the beginning and during Ponfar, when they're touching hands, I feel like, I, I feel like there's more to this than he's an empty vessel, even though I still think he's, somewhat of an empty vessel. Yeah. If that makes yeah, any and I, sense. I guess in my head that makes sense because then, you know, when, when after this movie, when Spock goes forward from here, you know, he's not really exactly the same. So I, I think probably a lot of it is not the right. fact that he was in bones necessarily, but that his body has had these experiences and that kind of mixes with, you know, his consciousness coming back and, and, uh, you know, it's, He's basically lived a whole adolescence here in a quick amount of time. And so that's got to, it's got to mess with him when he gets mm. back there. I like it. So yes. To, so to answer your question, yes, I think he is the sum of all of his experiences. Right. This and McCoy stuff. You know, at this point he kind of reminds me, I just thought about this from uh, uh, the time machine when he goes so far into the future and he encounters those, those humans, but they're kind of the same. They just live day by day. They don't really react to anything. And you know, yeah. The Eloy and the, um, are they the, are they the good looking people? Yeah. The Eloy and the, the Murlocs yep. are the, is it Murlocs that are the, 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 yeah. the people living underground? Yep. And the Eloy that they just, you know, they kind of play all day long, but then they're just the, basically the cattle for the, the Morlocks. Yeah. I guess that's, that's kind of how I see this Spock right now. 
that yeah he can do things he can he can do things but there's some weird emptiness there all right well on that note <laughs> uh, do you guys have any other notes for the minute um i think i went through all mine i do not all right well john uh here, i guess one more question for you so since you know search box this is the first time uh coming back you were here for wrath of Khan and uh, i think you i think you ranked all the star trek movies for us last time um but question for you is: Do you do you, do you remember the first time you saw Search for Spock and where you were and how you felt about it? I don't remember where I was, and I will say the first time I saw it, I don't think I saw the mm-hmm. whole thing, and I don't remember if that was by choice or if that was just the way it was. No, because um, I I don't I don't really remember being enthralled by this one. And that's that would be that's an interesting um, thing though. So if you didn't see the whole thing, which part did you see—the first half or the second half? Um, actually, a lot of this stuff is in my <laughs> memory. Um, so that's that's probably why I think that I didn't really like it the first time was because I'm just remembering, you know, this this sound set <laughs> stuff on on Genesis that I just don't really care for that much. I don't care for the look sure. of it, I guess. I guess we're past the halfway point, right, Dave? We're in the. I think we think we're very. Or we're either right on the edge of it, or we've just so. just past the halfway point. Um, I was gonna say, if you only saw the first half the first time, you'd be like, "What the hell? When, when are they gonna find Spock?" <laughs> well, the the funny <laughs> thing is about Star Trek movies. Uh, Star Wars was a little. Well, first of all, Star Wars there weren't as many movies at that time, but um, I kind of came into all this stuff through. It always felt like back channels, you know, like it was just on TV and I was just like, oh, what's this? Oh. Or um, Star Trek especially was something that my dad watched and I kind of got into it as he was watching it. So if he was watching one of these movies, it's very possible I didn't even know which movie it was and certainly didn't know like the order of them. You know, it's Star Trek 3, mm-hmm. Star Trek 4. It was just a Star Trek movie. I didn't know there was a continuity when I was sure. that young and. So yeah, I don't, I I think I probably, the first time I watched all these were probably completely out of order and I had no idea, you know, where I was at. So it's my memory of all of this stuff is, is pretty, it's like a, a very badly put together quilt, just pieces everywhere. Well, the good thing, the good thing, I guess, then, you know, so Harv Bennett, the, you know, the producer would, would, had the right idea in mind when he, you know, he started this movie up with, you know, previously on. You know, Wrath of Khan, and we gave us yeah. all these kind of flashbacks. It was a ton of it, ton of that in the first half of the film. All these callbacks and re, you know, revisiting the the the, the Wrath of Khan. Um, so that would have probably helped uh, helped you out if you were watching them out of order. Yeah, except I don't remember seeing that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I probably caught up in the middle and was like, "What's going on?" But all right, well, cool. Well, would it have? Maybe, yeah, we can talk about that later. I was gonna say, like, what, what if, what if they didn't do all of that and just you guys probably already talked about that. Like, what if they just cut in, you know, like, oh, they, you know, Star Wars. You have no idea what's going on, and then boom, you're right in the middle of all this stuff. Like, what if they just did that with this movie? I think they totally could have done that. I, I don't, I don't know if we actually have talked about it, but uh, yeah, sure. I don't think it was necessary. I mean, it's there's there's so much of it. Um, it's a little much. Yeah, they could have they could have had one scene of either you know, a conversation between the characters of, 
what happened in the previous film, but I mean, how many pieces of video footage did we watch of the Wrath of Khan in the first half of this movie? Yeah, I think they could have done without it. Right, yeah. All right, boys, why don't we wrap this one up? And uh, John, would you be able to come back and join us on, on Wednesday? I got notes, okay. so I better. You're committed? <laughs> yeah. All right, well, do you want to let folks, <laughs> folks know uh, where they can find you online? Uh, well, they can at least find my podcast, but we're done with that. So whether I'm still there or not, who knows? But they can find me at the uh, the princessbrideminute.com. You can go there. We've got all the links for everything. You can listen to all of our minutes. And and uh, it's fun to be done, but it was fun to do it while, while we were doing it. And we've got some stuff coming up, but we'll talk about that later because it's not coming up right away anyway. So. All right. Cool, cool. Yeah, you've been, you, you know... Uh scary thought you've been immortalized in the princess bride minute right do the, these podcasts are gonna live forever right as long as someone keeps paying to have them up there i guess yeah <laughs> that's a good point. i'm surprised there's not I'm surprised there's not like a a podster yeah. you know like a napster version where people are are downloading all the episodes and treating them, them and then you know uploading them somewhere else <laughs> yeah uh, that's when you know you've hit it big when they're trading when people are trading your uh, your podcast for others. Yeah, finding your episodes in the dark corners of the internet. What are these doing here? <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, well, uh, in the meantime, uh, you can find us online as well. All the social medias. Uh, we are at Star Trek Minute on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. So you can definitely check us out there. And uh, we, uh, the three of us, will all be back again on Wednesday uh, talking about Minute sixty three of the Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye.